All right, so as we get into the sermon this morning, we are going to um, be talking about the Holy Spirit for the next uh, few weeks. Um, and then what we're going to do is on Pentecost Sunday, which is May 20th, we're going to have a special service here where we're going to be praying and we're going to be worshiping and we're going to be laying on hands for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I get you preparation for this is because it's going to be a special day. It's something that we, we see in Scripture where Jesus said that He would empower us, and I talked about this two weeks ago, that we walk in authority, we walk in an anointing on our lives to do what Christ has called us to do. Um, and so please be ready for that. And then I want to call us to something extra special. Are you ready? I think you are. May 14th to May 20th, I want to call us to fasting and prayer. Okay. I want to lay this out for you right now as it just really got silent. And I can hear the stomachs already going, you know, don't do this to me. Okay. I will be doing no food fasting. You don't have to. But I would ask you to give up something. This isn't for God to answer something that we need. This is for us just to empty ourselves before Him and say, God, we want Your glory in Cornerstone Church. Because if His glory doesn't show up, if His presence doesn't show up, then all we're doing here is to nothing. And we're going to be talking about what the Holy Spirit does and who He is in the next six weeks. And then we'll probably go on even further because it's a lot deeper than just a six-week sermon. Is We're going to be looking at who God is. And so I'll be preparing us as we come up to that day to fast. So it'll be Monday through Sunday. And so I'd ask you to pray about how you can do that and what God is calling you to do. I'll not twist your arms to do what I do, but I would ask you to fast something. Um, and one of the things that that we are holding true, and I know we're getting to a slow start this morning, but there's a lot to say because we missed last week. i got to fill up our time. Is that we have a call to upward, and we've been talking about that a lot. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're talking... We're talking this way, okay? And then we also have a call to go outward. And that is to reach our communities. That is to go into our workplaces. And that is actually to spread the kingdom of God and to make disciples, which is our command from the Heavenly Father. He has given that to us. And we are to go outward. But we can't do it on our own. We cannot do this in our own strength. We need His power. We need His anointing to do that. And then we're talking also this year, we're going to be talking about inward. How do we equip ourselves to go out and do the work that God has called us to do? So as we start this morning, let's, I've got three points for you as always. Um, and the first one is going to be knowing the power. The second is God's promises are yes and amen. And let the Spirit fall on them. So what I want to do this morning, if you could turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, and I really won't get into the Scripture a lot in Ephesians, and then we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to look for the next couple weeks, I just want to lay this out for you, it's not going to be complicated, um, is that we're going to look at the Old Testament and see how the Holy Spirit showed up in the Old Testament, and then we're going to kind of go through up till the day of Pentecost, 
And we're going to talk about one of the most neglected, one of the most controversial issues in the body of Christ today is the Holy Spirit. And there is no reason for the Holy Spirit to be such a complicated subject, especially when the Holy Spirit is talked about in the Bible so well. And so what I will do for you, and I promise to always make the commitment, is that I'll preach the Word, we'll look to the Word, and we'll depend on it to to form us and to really change our hearts and our lives. And if you really want to go on a crazy adventure, just read the book of Acts. And as you're reading the book of Acts, why don't you ask the Lord, is this happening today? If not, why not? And we do need another and a fresh outpouring of the Spirit on our lives. So this is what Paul had wrote to the Ephesians. He wrote a prayer, and we all know the prayer. And I want to look at it this morning as he says this. This is why, since I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you. As I remember you in my prayers, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of His strength. You see, why I like this prayer, and why I think it's a prayer that we should be praying for each other, is because none of us have come to that place of full knowledge of what it is to be walking in the authority and the power of our calling. If you, if you've listened, if you remember the sermon I preached two weeks ago, it was about the authority that Christ has. And there is no argument with Satan. He has nothing to say. And remember I talked about how I'm a coward. And how oftentimes I'm easily spooked and I'm easily swayed at times. But you know what? When I look at who I am in Christ and the authority that He has given me, I have no reason to fear Satan. I have no reason to because there is no argument. So today, as I stand in front of you, I stand in front of you with full authority to preach the Word. You stand in full, or you sit in full authority to know who you are in Christ. You are no different than I am. Callings may be different. But we all come to the foot of the cross. And you see, when Paul is praying, he's praying that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened so that they may know what is the hope of his calling. That's our prayer for one another. That's Paul's prayer for the Ephesus church, that they would know, and that's our prayer for one another. We do not fully understand, I believe, of the fullness of that calling that we've been called to. And what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And then when I look at this Scripture in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? There is power in knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's an anointing that comes 
And so when we talk about the Godhead, we talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I said, so often the Holy Spirit gets pushed to the side. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. And you know, the last time I checked, and I'll get on my soapbox just for a moment, because I think we need to hear this. The last time I checked, I was a slave to righteousness, not a slave to sin. You see, when I got saved, and I hope it's when you got saved, is that I began to read the New Testament, and then something began to click that I am not my own, that my life belongs to someone else, and then not only that is my old life is dead, and I live a brand new life, and I don't live it on my own, but I live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I read the Word of God, when I read the words of Paul, and he says that I'm no longer a slave to sin, why are we struggling with sin? Why are we having such a hard time with this thing we call the flesh? We haven't died to ourselves. We have neglected the most important thing, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So is your life any different than what it was before you came to know Christ? If it's not, I want to cry out to you and say, why not? And you can't just will it to happen. You gotta hunger and thirst for righteousness. You gotta hunger and thirst for the things of this word and for the scripture. And it's my passionate plea before you because we struggle. This flesh is alive and well. I realize a bit where are you sowing to? The scripture says, you sow to the flesh, you'll reap death. You sow to the spirit, you'll reap life. That's plain and simple. But we can't do this on our own. And so the the prayer of Paul that he's praying, that your eyes would be open, that our eyes would be open to the knowledge and the wisdom, the revelation of who Christ is. And you see, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we begin to think about the weirdness of some things that have happened within the church. And with even in the Pentecostal church, let's just be honest, some of it gets really weird. And you just question, like, is this really of God? And so what we do is we throw out the baby with the bathwater and we say, well, this isn't for today. I was talking to a very good friend who I love dearly and we were having lunch together this week. And he's a cessationist. You know what a cessationist is? is somebody who believes that the gifts were for the past. That they were for that day. So when you read the book of Acts, it was for that time so that the gospel would go forward for that time. But those gifts have ceased for today. And then as he begins to talk a little more, and I love this brother, and see, that's what's so unique about the body of Christ, is we can't just draw lines in the sand and say, if you don't believe like I believe, I don't want anything to do with you. That is not who we are as Cornerstone Church. Okay, not all of us have this perfect revelation, except for me. Okay, it's just, that's why I'm here. 
okay, there's no drawing. But then he began to share, but he, and I was just kind of dumbfounded when he said, and I talked to him about this, and he said, but healing is for today. But tongues isn't for today. I'm just kind of like, well, how is healing for today, but tongues isn't for today? And it kind of confused me. And I'm not judging my brother. But all the gifts are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We cannot live a life unto holiness and into purity without the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Andrew Murray says this, he says, the Holy Spirit brings us and draws us to Christ, but then there is another type that comes and it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into a person's life that allows them to live a life unto righteousness and unto holiness. And I agree with what he's saying. Because when I look at the book of Acts, I see something very dynamic, something very real that is taking place with the early church, which is for today as well as as it was for then. We need to know the power of God. And you see, although we shun, a lot of times we shun the Pentecostal church, did you know if it wasn't for Pentecostal church, the poor of the poorest in the world would have never been reached? Did you know Pentecostalism is going across the world and is reaching the third world? And God is doing miracles in the third world because people choose to believe the fullness of the Spirit and to believe what God says He he will do. But here in our state and where we are today is we have come to an intellectual point and we are looking at the Gospel through an intellectual mindset instead of a supernatural mindset. And is it correct that the gospel comes to heal heal the spiritual man? Yes. But is it correct that the gospel comes to heal the wounded, the broken, comes to heal the sick and even raise the dead? You see, part of the good news is the Holy Spirit was promised. The Holy Spirit would come. That is part of the gospel. It's not just the cross. The cross says that I can be forgiven of all my guilt, all my shame, but then the good news is that He was going to come and give me power to live a life that is holy and to be set free from my sin, to be set free from my bondage. Are you struggling with sin this morning? Are you not able to do a 180 and repent and forsake the sin that you are bound in? If you are, I would like to ask you this morning, I believe that maybe you you have given your life to Jesus, but I believe that there needs to be a power, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit to enable you to live a life that is pleasing and holy unto God. So let's go to the Old Testament and God's promises are yes and amen. Go to Numbers chapter 11. And this story just, I'm sorry, like I am preaching this story out of excitement. Because when I read it, it's pretty just exciting. 
And I hope that for you, the Word of God is exciting. Because when you read stuff, and then you read it over and over, and then something sticks out to you, you're just like, wow, God, that's pretty exciting. Do you get it? It's exciting. I've said that ten times. Just so that somebody can say, why does a pastor always repeat himself? Bad joke. All right, let's go. Number two, God's promises are yes and amen. So I want to share a story with you. Moses was walking out, the calling that God had on his life. And he had to deal with a bunch of complainers. And I'm not sharing with you, with this with you because you're complaining. I'm just sharing this because this is the case that was happening. And a fire blazed, and we were not going to read this, but I want to give a context to the story. And Moses prayed and the fire ceased. But then the riffraff among them had a strong craving for another food, and they began to complain again, as if the fire that consumed some wasn't enough that now they had to beg for some meat. They were tired, and they said this, you know, in Egypt we were free to eat fish, along with cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics. Garlic, man, that sounds good. Some of you are like, man, that just reeks. I get it, but that sounds really good. They were missing the past, but I want you to know as we were worshiping this morning, the past has nothing for me. The past is the past. We are here today. And then they start to complain as if manna was not enough. And God heard this. So let's go to verse 10 of of 11, Numbers 11. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, Why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them so that you should tell me, carry them at your breast? as a nanny carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their fathers? And then he says, where can I get meat to give all these people? And just listen to that. Where can I give meat to give all these people? For they are weeping to me, give us meat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. And then he goes on, he says, if you are going to treat me like this, please kill me. I like that, Moses. Right now, if I find favor with you and don't let me see my misery anymore. Can you hear Moses? It's pretty plain, isn't it? And he hears the complaints of the people and he's like, where can I get this meat? And then he goes on and it says that the Lord answered Moses, Bring me 70 men from Israel, known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the Spirit who is on you and put the Spirit on them. 
They will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. So he begins to talk and he begins to have a conversation with God. And God says this in verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in readiness for tomorrow. And you will eat meat because you wept in the Lord's hearing. Who will feed us meat? We were better off in Egypt. The Lord will give you meat and you will eat. You will eat not for one day or two days or five days or ten days, but twenty day, or twenty days before a whole month. Until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes nauseating to you. Okay, let's liken to this. What's your favorite food? Think about it just for a moment. What is your favorite food? What did somebody say? Truffles? Chocolate. Okay, well, chocolate's pretty good. So I don't know if we can compare chocolate. But think about it. You have something that you're complaining for, and God says, you know what, I'm going to make this meat loathsome to you. And any time the word loathsome is used in the Bible, it's not used in this translation, it means it's going to be something that you are going to vomit, you are going to puke up, because you've eaten too much of it. He says, this is what I'm going to do to you. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and wept before him, why did we ever leave Egypt? Have you ever thought the grass is greener on the other side? Then you get to the other side and you realize that other side of the fence. Man, I wish I was there. That's what they're doing here. They want meat to eat, and I get it. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I only eat meat. Forget the vegetables. And he was going to feed them quail, and if you've ever had quail, just a side note, quail is really good. I don't know what about for 30 days, but it's good. And listen to what Moses said. But Moses replied, I'm in the middle of a people with 600,000 foot soldiers. Yet you say I will give them meat and they will eat for a month? If flocks and herds were slaughtered for them, would they have enough? Or if all the fish in the sea were caught for them, would they have enough? He's beginning to question, and I can understand his questioning, because Moses up to this point had to do everything for Egypt or not for Egypt, for the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. When they needed water, what did he do? He struck a rock, and they all were were thirsty, and they drank. Everything, he was their guide. He was the mouthpiece of God, him and Aaron, to the people. So Moses is questioning this. God, how can we do this? You see that there's not enough fish in the sea. There's not enough cattle here. When God calls us to the impossible, He can always make it possible. That's really bad English. When we see the impossible, only God can do the possible. Are we not just like Moses? 
When God speaks to us, we begin to question and say, God, how are you going to do this? And we forget that He has spoken to us that He's going to do this. So we begin to calculate. We look at our checkbooks. We look at our circumstances. And we're thinking, man, God, uh, I don't think you got this right. And we begin to act as if we know what's best. Do we not all do this at one time or another? We look at the enormity of the task that God is calling us to do, and we're saying this is impossible. Moses is doing the same thing. And the reason I'm sharing this is it really doesn't have part of to do with the Holy Spirit, but then it kind of does. Because the Lord says this in 11.23 of Numbers, and really this is one of those verses that you can write down and you can take it to the bank and you can cash it in every day. He says, The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm weak? Now you will see whether or not what I have promised will happen to you. God is telling Moses, that if I said it is going to happen, it is going to happen. You see, there is something about God wants to do the impossible in our midst because He wants to show us that through Him we can do all things. And you see, two weeks ago I talked about Him empowering us to be a witness to the nations. And we look at our lives, we look at the tools that we have, and we're like, there's no way. I can't give the good news to somebody. I can't forsake the sin of my past. This is impossible, God. I've been praying and praying and praying that you would do this and that and nothing's happening. This is impossible. And God is saying, see, if not, rather what I said will come to pass or not. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says this, and you don't have to go there, you can if you want, but I'm going to say it so you don't need to. All of God's promises are yes and amen. So I ask this question. Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the indwelling of the Spirit to give you power to live a life unto Jesus that is worthy of His calling? So I want to ask you a question, and we're not going to cover it this morning because I'm I'm a little bit smarter than that. How many of you have heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How How many of you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Wow, so it shouldn't be too controversial when we begin to look at it. Great. Okay, my nerves just went out the door. I don't think so. I think we need a fresh indwelling of the Spirit, to be personally honest with you. I think I continue to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, a promise is a declaration by one person to that, to another that something will or will not be done. 
giving the person to whom it was made the right to expect the performance of whatever has been specified. Let me read this again because it helps my faith. Declaration by one person to another that something will or will not be done. Giving the person to whom it was made the right to expect the performance of whatever has been specified. God is saying here to Moses in this story, look, I said it was going to happen. Now you watch it is going to happen. So what I want to challenge you this morning with the Word of God, if there are promises, you can stand on those promises. If, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. So if God says that He will empower you, He will empower you. But I want to ask you the question this morning, are you truly hungry for the things of God? Now, I want to be careful is not to compare yourself to others. If you've seen it throughout the body of Christ, it's a kaleidoscope. There's many flavors in the kingdom of God. Some people just act really wacky when the Holy Spirit comes on them. You've all seen them. And some people don't. I'm one of those that choose not to act wacky. But the power of the Spirit is working in my life. The indwelling of God is in me. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. That all this glory is in my chest. All this glory allows me to stand on the promises of God. And oftentimes I make fun of myself because I don't feel like I have the gift of faith. But when I look at the the promises of God and it says they are yes and amen, I can stand in faith and pray for you and believe that God is going to do something in your life. Is that power just for me? No, the power is for you. And Lord, I believe, is saying, now you will see whether or not what I have promised to you will happen to you. You see, this is where we're at. This is where we're really at. Is we're not hungry. We're not thirsting for the things of God anymore. Why would I? I mean, honestly, I've got lots going on. I've got four children. I've got a TV that I love to watch. I've got Facebook that I love to get on. I've got Instagram. I've got all these things that are vying for my attention. You see, some of you are thinking, and I can just feel it right now, is that, man, here he goes. He's bantering on TV, social media, but I'm just speaking truth. Sometimes we need to hear truth. If it wasn't for me struggling with it, I wouldn't be speaking to you about it. You see, when I begin to read in my experience, this is my experience, but when I began to read the Bible, and as when I was a first, a new believer, I began to read through the New Testament, and I'm like saying, God, why can I not experience these same things? I begin to hunger. I begin to fast. I begin to pray and say, God, let the Spirit fall. And we live in a time right now that it is disheartening because 
We're not hungering anymore. We're not desiring the things of God. Instead, we're walking in the flesh. And there is nothing that I can do for you this morning. I can preach. I can yell. I can be emotional this morning. But I cannot impart this to you. This is something you have to hunger for. You can stand on the promises. But what I do want to say that is we're discovering the acts and the power of the Holy Spirit that I pray and that your eyes will be opened and that you'll discover what God wants to do in your life. That you'll discover how God wants to set you free. It's not about the person next to you. It's about what God wants to do in you that then we get to experience as a corporate body. We'll get to see some people acting quite kooky. And then we'll get to see others that are reserved, and it doesn't matter. Just let the Holy Spirit move. Okay, and this is what this guy that Gary Best says. You don't know him, so, but I, I want to give him credit for this statement. That's the way life works in the kingdom. God speaks, we obey, then God acts, making the impossible possible. God speaks, we obey, then God acts, making the impossible possible. We can no longer just sit back and be spectators. You want to see your community change, then you start witnessing to your community. You want to see your friends and neighbors change, then you start praying for your friends and neighbor. You want to see co-workers touched with the power of God, then you stop and you ask them, how can I pray for you? They may be like, hey, stop, stop. But I guarantee, over time, that they will listen. And they will hear the good news. So let's go to point number three. See, we're eating today, so I get a little bit more time. Not really, because your intention spans are only so much, and I get it. Point number three is let the Spirit fall on them. This is one of the most unique things that I've seen, and I just can't get over it. And you'll probably hear me say it a thousand times throughout my life here. It goes on in verse 24 of Numbers 11. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He brought 70 men, like the Lord said for him to do, from the elders of the people, and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the Spirit that was on Moses and placed the Spirit, but I like the NASB, it says, placed him, it says him, on the 70 elders. As the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, and we don't know why, but one named Ildad and the other Medad. The Spirit rested on them. They were among those listed, but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. 
And I would like to point out this real quick, is that when the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament, there's a difference. In the Old Testament, He came upon. In the, in the New Testament, He came to stay. And we see that in Christ Jesus when John the Baptist says, I knew that who the Messiah was when the Spirit would come and descend and stay with Him. So the Spirit came and they prophesied. And we'll look next week at King Saul and King David and King Saul's wonderful messed up life. So a lot of times when the Spirit falls, prophecy happens. And the prophetic takes place. But then it goes on and it said this. I don't know if I read this, but I'll read it again. And a young man ran and reported to Moses, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses since his youth, responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Now, let's give Joshua, the son of Nun, just a break. Because Moses was constantly dealing with people that were trying to usurp his authority and trying to do their own thing. So I can understand Joshua, the son of Nun, saying this. He was trying to protect the leader. But then, here's what Moses said. And this is Moses' character. And this character should be in each one of us. But Moses asked him, Are you jealous on my account? If only the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place His Spirit on them. Then Moses returned to the camp along with the elders of Israel. And this is what sticks out to me from the Scripture. is that Moses was not worried about his authority. He wasn't worried about his leadership. He was actually, in my opinion, was prophesying to the future and saying, I wish the Lord would place the Spirit on everyone. And that's the way we should be for one another is that we want the Spirit of God to fall on each one of our lives. There's one Spirit. And we'll discover that throughout the six weeks. There's one Spirit. There's one Lord. But there's gifts. And then I believe that as Moses is prophesying, we can turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. I want to read this for you. After this, I will pour out my spirit in all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. And then it goes on in the end of Joel chapter 2 is that when they call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And this morning, all I want to do is whet your appetite. That's all I want to do. Is Jesus promised that He would give us power to be His witnesses And then He commissioned the disciples to wait. And I wonder what would happen to us today. We who are saved, if we would truly wait 
upon the Lord and ask Him to empower us to do the work that He's calling us to do if we would not change the world. If our city of Menasha or town, whatever you call Menasha, Nina and Fox Valley, what would happen if Cornerstone was a church that decided to wait to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then we walked out in that power to see life's change? What would happen? So I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open to what God wants to do in the midst of us. And this just isn't a series that we're going to go through to say that was a decent series. This is going to be a series that changes our lives. And it means everything. I'm a parent, so I'll be really honest with you. I do not want my kids to grow up and not experience the presence of God within the church body. I wouldn't be here today if the presence wasn't real. The presence is what drew me back at the age of 20. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is real. So I pray and I ask that your appetite was wet and you hunger for the things of God. If you've experienced the baptism of the Spirit, I ask you to pray for more. Because I have too. I've also realized my life has been very weak. And that I have to crawl out of bed and hit my knees and ask the Holy Spirit to come in power again. Because I know this flesh wants to rise up all day, every day. And without the power of the Spirit, I can't do this thing.